You're listening to Ice Town Clowns, a podcast reviewing every episode of NBC's Parks and Recreation. I'm Katie. I'm Jacob. And I also, like Jerry, forgot to vote in the Pawnee City Council election. I did not vote in the Democratic <gasps> primary on Tuesday. It's the first election I haven't voted in ever, <laughs> maybe? I, I actually voted on election day. Uh, it's the first time I've ever done that in Virginia. Yeah. There is a way to prevent this. It's called no excuse early voting, and every state should have it. We're going to have it in Virginia, yeah. starting in 2020, for 10 days. I always early vote. It had nothing to do with my election day like schedule, and more just to do with the fact that it was a primary for clerk of court, and I just, I just couldn't, guys. I just couldn't take the time out of my, my life. Just not an excuse. I should be ashamed, but I just well, didn't do it. Shame. I'm... I'm glad I didn't recommend that we invite my friend Greg Parks, the new Democratic nominee for Clerk of the Court, to be I on also, this episode. I also tried a six-week-long capital murder case against his husband, so, like, you know, we'd have plenty to talk about if he wanted to come on the podcast. <laughs> Presumably you mean he was opposing counsel and not... Right, yes, yes, yes. Not actually the counsel. one, yes, not, not the one accused of said crime. Because you better believe I would have voted in that election. Yes. It's a good thing that your job doesn't involve the courts, Katie. So it's understandable you weren't interested. I don't practice where I live. It makes no difference to me. Until okay. You no longer practice where you right, live. Right, right, right. That's true. Um, so this week we are reviewing the season finale of season four. We finally made it through season four. Um, episode four, or I'm sorry, season four, episode 22, Win, Lose, or Draw. It originally aired May 10th of 2012. It was written and directed by Michael Shore. And the summary is, it's election day for Leslie and Ben is contemplating an offer to help with a campaign in Washington. Meanwhile, Andy tries to help April rescue the files she deleted from the Parks Department computer. That's that that happens. Yeah, all these things happen. I don't know why they had a C plot in this episode. I know it. This was one of the extended runtime episodes, right? I think so. Although I was not paying attention last it, night. It only clocked in at twenty minutes on my Netflix. There might be a, like, producer's cut that we didn't watch. I, I don't think this is, uh, I don't think this is. I think Community was back by this point, and everything was clocking in at 30 minutes again. Okay. Um, so, the episode opens with uh, the campaign team sitting down with, I don't know, the election commission representative yeah, it's, it's it's the registrar right 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 or auditor or whatever they call it fun fact twice i have gotten to go the day after an election in alexandria when they have been uh certifying results and uh sit in on behalf of like a campaign as they certify the results and like figure out if there's anything that was questionable or i don't know it's actually like it's very nerdy, but it's fun. So, yeah. I don't feel like this is a meeting that would happen on election day. Nope. T typically, decisions like this are made, what's it called, months in advance? And if it's election day, you're not discussing the voting machines on election day. <laughs> they have been at whatever facility they're going to be used at for at least 12 to 72 hours at this point right? right you don't you don't roll them out on election day morning people aren't lined up to vote and cheer as the voting machines arrive <laughs> i uh i do think probably the most realistic part of this is that obviously if there's an exact tie the male wins and the female is put in jail yeah i mean <laughs> different that Different states have different ways to break ties. Y'all just had one in Virginia that was relatively important. 
Yeah, you just draw a name out of a bowl and it determines the uh, who has control of the entire legislature. It's fine. Yep. I, I, I believe in, in Nevada they play one hand at poker. Yeah, they play one hand of five card stud, I think. Literally, they deal five cards and whoever has the better poker hand wins. <laughs> I mean, it's no less ridiculous than drawing a name out of a bowl, but... I mean, it is truly randomized because there are so many cards in a deck that no two, statistically speaking, no two fully shuffled decks of cards have ever been in the same order in the history of the world or ever will be in the same order for billions of years. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 50, 52 times 51 times 50, It the number is astronomical. Hmm. Good to know. So back to the problems with the voting machines. I just wrote down like, oh, this is probably what 2020 will look like. <laughs> uh, no, because there was nothing written in Russian. Mm, good point. Good point. Good point. Um, oh, there is. So there is one realistic part of this, which is where Leslie says she's only slept nine hours over the past four days. I I'm concerned that she's being allowed to sleep too much at this point in the campaign. I, I'm going the other way. Everybody <laughs> should be sleeping before election day. You have to make important decisions and should not do them sleep deprived. Ha- yes, yes, yes. I guess, but every campaign I've ever been involved in, and by involved in, I mean being annoyed that Carter's involved in, he has not slept for the three days leading up to election day. That is the standard practice, and it is wrong. <laughs> uh, Tom announces that he and Anne are going to get back together, which I really thought we were done with that plot line. I did not remember that it went on at all. It, he was going to have them get back together at a pimps and hoes party. Can we, can we just be done with Tom? I've been to a pimps and hoes party. I mean... W- College college happened. <laughs> right. Please tell me that's where you met Carter. No. No. I mean he was there. But I, I don't think, about think it. I don't think we met that particular I mean it wasn't like where we met. Now whether I met him that night, I don't know. Who knows? Um but I yeah. I, I do have to add Screw Drake. Let's keep him out of this country. I'm not in a good place with him. Mm-hmm. Which one's he? He's he, he's a rapper. He was also in Degrassi. He's a major Toronto Raptors fan. And Is that a sports not, team? That is a sports team and not one that, that my beloved Bay Area is having a good relationship with right now. There's a sports playoff happening and then... I don't know. People talk about it on Twitter. It's it's no longer happening. It's uh, over. We lost. I'm sorry. Well, congratulations. I don't know how <laughs> that works. You. Thank you. Yeah. Our, our best players ruptured their ACL and uh, Achilles tendon, respectively. And uh, we're not in a good mental place. Go but Warriors. the season's over, so who cares, right? Fair. Fair. There'll be a... When's the season premiere of basketball, anyways? It's like in October, right? Yes, the season premiere of basketball is in October. Yeah. Hey, look, Jacob, this year's been a year of disappointing season finales, right? It's true. It's true. You had to see it coming. I, 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 I guess Kawhi Leonard is not exactly Bran. There are three people that joke was for who listen to our podcast and follow basketball. Let's I know. move on. I was going to say, who do you think our fan base is, my friend? I think, our, are... fan, I think our fan base is the sort of people who would be interested to know that there are actually eight with 67 zeros following it combinations that a deck of cards can be shuffled into. Because I did the math really quick. So that's Better it. suited for our fan base. Um, so... Then, oh, Bobby gives a speech where he tells everyone he's voting for Leslie, which, because he doesn't think it's legal to vote for yourself. Oh. Oh. You know, I actually ran for, like, you know, school, what was it called? Student council? Student council, yes, back in (laughs) sixth grade. And I actually felt weird 
voting for myself. Like I had my friends are on the ballot. Like, I don't know. I had my friends on the ballot and I don't know. I didn't want to like vote against them. <laughs> Have we told the story on the podcast where I ran for student council and, uh, went negative and got called into the principal's office and they had to rewrite the rules to say that you couldn't go negative in student council elections. <laughs> no. That's a great story. I have and, never heard that story before. And somehow, and somehow I knew the phrase, somehow I knew the phrase ex post facto and said it. And I think I got in more trouble. Is this why you didn't finish high school? <laughs> You know, <laughs> it may have something to do with it. Well, there you go. Uh, high school dropoutism. Kids stay in school. <laughs> or else you'll end up in Iowa. Just yes. kidding. Iowa's very nice. You'll end up at Berkeley and then listening to 19 people talk about why they want to be president one day. <laughs> so <Aww>. many people. <laughs> <laughs> Did, did you get to meet Wayne Messam? Uh, Wayne Messam was not among the 19. Oh, what about Mike Gravel? Mike Gravel was not among the 19. Okay, y'all have to look it up on Twitter. They announced the, the lineup for the two presidential debates yesterday, and the DNC's Twitter feed is literally nothing but probably Russian bots and crazy people who are really sad that Lyndon LaRouche has died demanding that Mike Gravel be added to the debate stage. Like, interesting that he has that much draw amongst people who know how to access the internet. Or don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm completely team Mike Ravel. I definitely know who he is. For sure. A former senator from Alaska. He was also a candidate in 2008. He Um, threw a rock into a lake. That was a great ad. It was a weird ad. I don't know if it was great. Uh... Yeah. Can we talk about Jen offering, uh, uh, Jen, can we talk about Jen offering a job here? Yes, please. I, I want to know you all's thoughts. <laughs> okay. So first of all, what the hell is Ben's job here going to be? She's running a campaign, but he's going to quote, coordinate out of DC. That's not how congressional campaigns work. They're not like some remote entity that, that is being controlled by a committee of people in D.C. Even the DCCC doesn't serve that sort of role in a congressional campaign. So I don't, I don't get what job he's being offered here. Uh, that, that is fair. Uh, what I will say is, look, I do like the somewhat accurate nature of Jen being out in the world, finding somebody smart, and then pulling them into campaigns at a higher level, that part is weirdly realistic. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, but she'd I, send him to Ohio, right? To be right. like Midwesterner on the ground. Like, absolutely. The, the, the DC part of this is, I, I don't really know what. Um, the people but, writing the show don't understand the difference between a campaign staffer, like a manager, and a campaign consultant, like a GC. Jen right. is very clearly a general consultant. She would hire Ben to be the campaign manager in Ohio on the ground. Right. She wouldn't be the one on the ground right. with Ben in D.C. Right. Yeah. Right. However, I've seen this episode, I don't know, five, six times, and this was the first time that I was like, wait a minute, this makes zero sense. Like, all the other times that I've been watching it, even though I had the same base of knowledge, I've been like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm going to D.C. Yeah. If Jin was also, like, the executive director of the DCCC, and she was offering Ben, like, the Ohio desk, that would make a bit more sense. But but probably that job you wouldn't give to somebody you discovered out in the world. Uh, look, I, I like I like the emotional resonance of this plot line. You just needed to replace DC with Columbus or Cincinnati or insert some other Ohio town name here. Chris bizarrely thinks the best person to go talk to about whether or not he should have sex with Jen Barkley again is Ann Perkins. 
this is a weird codependent relationship, and I'm not into it. Chris does not understand boundaries. He no. just doesn't. No. Except for that whole plot line where he was very into enforcing them for legal reasons on other oh. people. Yeah, you know, he definitely understands boundaries on other people, but he seems to have exempted himself from all rational thought about what should or shouldn't be done. It's very strange. They just don't know what to do with this character right now. <laughs> I think. Uh, I, which one? Which one are you referring to? Mm-hmm. Good point. But I just wanted to confirm something. Ohio nineteen disappeared. <laughs> Like, that district no longer exists since 2000, which makes sense, given the number of electoral college votes Ohio has. Uh, So, yeah, they're they're talking about sending Ben out in 2010 to run a campaign in a district that does not exist. So, in hang on. Maybe in this universe, Ohio expands and contracts in the same way Pawnee does. (laughs) Does does the whole Midwest expand and contract in... in in this universe, we I need mean, to investigate. The further. distance to Indianapolis does, so that would make sense. Maybe that's where all the people leave from Indiana when they're not in Pawnee. Yeah. They uh, show up in another congressional district in Ohio. <laughs> then, for some really unknown reason, April deletes all the files off of the Pawnee computers and has to call Andy in to come help her. Yeah. This, this is dumb. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This I, plot line is nonsense. The two of them act it very well. And that's the only reason it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, the only good line in this entire plot is when Andy tells April that she did the right thing. Right. I was like, about to the say. Table. The, uh, the, like, I only tolerate it because of that line. <laughs> uh, look, him, First of all, you did the right thing by getting under the table. <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, I also enjoy Andy talking about how he's played a lot of Xbox and blowing in, blowing in the monitor. Uh, that's That's more NES than it is Xbox, but it was funny. Um, so Leslie and Ben, well, Ben tells Leslie about this job opportunity. And, um, I just, I, I'm with you, Jacob. I like the emotional beats of this story. Like, I like when she's like, well, okay, I'm going to go over there and fulfill a lifelong dream of mine. But, you know, I'll be right back. Just hang tight. I feel like they are hanging out at this polling location an inordinately long amount of time. Like, they just did this press conference. He's had this conversation with Jen. Like, the timing here doesn't entirely work. Like, this is the start of the day, right? It's early morning. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah, it work- felt strange. They came back, and they were still at that poll. The polling workers would want you to get the hell out. You're not allowed to campaign in a polling location. Like, she's not wearing a button. Yeah, sure. But, like... They would they would just encourage you to leave. Yeah. I I guess. How how many jeans how many pairs of jeans do we think Ben has that Leslie thinks he has enough? <laughs> I mean, isn't like two or three enough? I was gonna say I feel like like I have like five or six pairs right now because I'm between two sizes and I feel like it's too many pairs of jeans. So Wait. So Leslie goes in to vote, and we have this nice moment where she opens up the ballot, and it's like, it's a butterfly ballot with punch cards. So it's, okay. She punches the little button for herself, or the little uh, Chad out for herself, and then Bobby leans in from the booth next door, saying that his pen exploded and put ink all over his hands. Um, what kind of ballot is Bobby voting on? If she's <laughs> voting on a punch card ballot, do they have different kinds of ballots at the same location? So I'm going to guess that the writers think that the little thing that Leslie is pushing the chat in with is actually an ink pen, which is questionable because presumably Michael Shore has voted before in his life, back when those were the only kind of ballots we had. So I... I don't know. But that's that's the only conclusion I can come up with is they just like think it's a pen. 
Okay. It did not make a lot of sense. No. It is a nice moment, though, and Amy Poehler acts it very well when Leslie tears up voting for herself. Like, I did not expect that I would get teary when I voted for Hillary, but I did. Uh, Yeah. So it, it resonates. So weren't the last tears about that election either? No, they weren't. No, they weren't. <laughs> Turns out. Uh, and then we cut ahead 12 hours. Right. Which, I mean, frankly, they skipped, they skipped election day, which is, uh, Jacob said he hates the day before election day the most. I hate election day because it is out of my hands now, right? Like, you can do things. You can stay busy. You can rush people around to greet at polling locations. Mm-hmm. You can have an earthquake. You get your candidate out to where he or she needs to be. You can record an auto-dial call to tell people that the polls are still open even though there was an earthquake. But you can't actually change what's going to happen at this point. And it is so frustrating. Particularly as you get to the end and you know most of the votes have been cast and, like, the judgment is coming. You're going to either have won or lost the election and there is nothing you can do about it. I, I hate it. It drives me nuts those last few hours of election day. I hear you. It's waiting for a jury verdict is similar, except that there's nothing you can do. Like there's you, there's yeah. nothing to do at all except like replay everything in your mind and talk over with your colleagues what like you could have done differently, yeah. and interpret jury notes as like they asked to see the police reports. What do you think that means? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what? Fair, fair enough. I have watched movies on election day before to just kill time between yeah. periods where anybody was giving me information. Yeah. Uh, it, in in twenty sixteen, one of my deputies and I may have played some uh, MLB the Show on a video game because we just needed a break between getting numbers and making decisions to clear our heads when there was nothing we could be doing. I I, I, I understand. In 2008, uh, I was running a campaign in Dallas County for Lupe Valdez, who was running for re-election as sheriff, and we had had this immense early vote in 2008, and we didn't know what that meant for Election Day. Like, was this going to be just an astronomically high turnout? Was it going to be, you know, just lines of people at the polls? Election Day comes, and there's nobody voting. Like, we're driving around delivering stuff to our volunteers, and they're like, yeah, this is there's nobody voting. Because literally 60% of the people in Dallas County had voted early. Uh, And the actual Election Day – the actual Election Day vote ended up being about a third of the vote, 40% of the vote like it actually did. But in the base Democratic precincts I was looking at and watching, it was a dead zone. And eventually, uh, one of our campaign consultants, who also happens to be my best friend – also happens to be a listener to this podcast, had to come over to the campaign office and just hang out with me so I didn't go completely insane trying to, like, deal with the pressure of my first election as a manager. That person is good at making sure you don't go completely insane. He's great about that. Yeah. In, uh, in 2010, we had a monsoon rainstorm on election day, and the candidate was still out trying to, to greet people at the polls. I knew we were going to lose. She knew we were going to lose. I talked to her about it like a week before, but, you know, nobody was giving up. And at one point, my field director came into the, uh, to my office and gave me an update on what was going on at all the polling locations. And he's doing this, he's doing that. He's getting a new umbrella out to this volunteer. And then he's going to go by the uh, CBS because his, da- his dad called in a prescription because he's coughing up blood. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, don't kill yourself. We are already going to lose this election. <laughs> uh, speaking of horrible things that happen on election day jerry forgets to vote vote early and vote often. early yes uh, yeah vote you, early no. every time you can that's what often means yeah yeah uh, um i i want to i want to dig in here this is this is a so uh brady max <laughs> is winning with one percent of precincts reporting which, how many precincts are in a ward in Pawnee? This, are there this, more than a hundred? Like this was going to be my. And there are only nine votes from that precinct. I have a couple of thoughts here. One, I don't think the writers understand what a precinct is. <laughs> and 
two, I don't think they understand that when a precinct comes in, that means all the votes from that precinct, uh, from at least from election day, uh, you know, early votes can be treated separately or as a part of different places do it differently. But all the election day votes have been counted, not a portion of them. That is what precincts in means. I don't think they understand what the hell a precinct is, though. So, in their defense, they're from California, which has incredibly small precincts, right? Like, my boss's congressional district is comprised of thousands of precincts. Um, And so, a a nine-vote precinct is not unthinkable in California. Also, in municipal elections, which already have a lower turnout— Often a precinct will incorporate a few houses and then a large geographic area that you just have to put somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it'll be like a riverbed and then like 10 houses that are on the right side of the street for that riverbed. So it could be that precinct. But normally that precinct will not have its own polling location. It'll vote at a joint polling location at another precinct, and both of those precincts should be tallied at the same time. So – I don't know. Also, we get the call letters for Pert Happily's TV station, WTNW, which is actually a radio station in Jasper, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I I really feel like this episode is the like was made for us to do this podcast. This is like the culmination of like all of our knowledge and. <laughs> Why do you think I came so far? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Anne takes Leslie off to do an activity uh, while waiting for votes to come in, which I think is legitimate. I would like to think, if I ever run for election, that when the votes start to come in, I will do something to keep my mind off of it, like, I don't know, play cards or do something in another room so I don't just, like, obsess about every single precinct that comes in. Well, I also know that that's a lie, and I won't do that, but... It makes some sense. So so here is here is the biggest mistake they make here. They have Leslie at this party. Do not bring the candidate yeah. to the party until you know whether you have won or lost. That, Keep I, was, them I in have a that note later. Secure yeah. location. They don't have a war room, and you have to have a war room on election day where everybody comes to see the because you don't want they have Leslie out in the crowd when she sees the results of the initial count, which is just, that is a terrible thing to do to a human being. Uh, yes. I, I, <laughs> when I was very young, I in my first manager situation, I, I had the candidate in a separate room. I now won't even let them be at the location because the emotions are too strong. Yeah, um, no. Yeah, you, uh, you rent a hotel room somewhere. And that is the base of operations for election day. Or it, it, is can where, be the, it can be the candidate's house. Or the candidate's house. Yeah, it can be. But people know where the candidate lives in a local election, right? You do you put the candidate somewhere where people aren't going to be able to know where he or she is so that they can watch this stuff come in and you can make practical decisions. Also, Ben would not be standing at a bar having a drink. He might be drinking, but he'll be drinking in a room somewhere hunched right. over his laptop right. Right. Putting numbers into the column of the spreadsheet for actual election day results next to the uh, column of the projected election day results and then using that to calculate out what he thinks is going to happen in the rest of the precincts. Yeah, yeah. With his cell phone pressed up against his head as other people are calling him with results way before they hit the State Board of Elections yes. website. Now, yes. now we do that via text, but yes. Yeah, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I just do have to say, you know what? This Jerry not voting thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, polls do close insanely early in Indiana. Yeah, they six, six is really early. No, yeah. it's the earliest in the country. On election night, Indiana and Kentucky close first, and yep. Indiana is the only, is the one in central, right? Yeah. And, and Kentucky's seven, but it's in the east. Am I remembering yep. any of that correctly? Uh, You, I believe, are are correct it is it is the early like in california it closes at like oh right because we knew kentucky in the afternoon we knew amy mcgrath lost first in 2018 like hours before california was closed yeah 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 Yeah, it is uh it is a weird 
is a weird just sort of way that local state policy impacts media narratives on election night is that a huge chunks of states that have some swing districts in them but which generally lean republican close early right so what you saw in 2018 was all these candidates right. in 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 close elections come in fall behind and start to lose early in the evening because those states were always the reach districts and the reach states and things like uh right and senate races and it, it defined this narrative that lasted until like what 10, 11 o'clock at right, night on election right, night. This is somehow not yeah. not a wave, and things have gone really bad for the Democrats here. And then, no, it was exactly what everybody thought it was going to be. Right. Well, it it was it was a regionalized wave, uh, which is which is was, what everybody was expecting, right? Like that's what the data showed was coming. Not not what we were hoping for in the Midwest, but sure, yes, kind of. Well, I was I was talking at the congressional level. I I don't yes. know anything about you know. Other races. Yes, Abby, Congresswoman Finkenauer and Axney are great. We're happy to yes, have them. Yes, they are. Super happy to have them. Uh, um, yeah. So, Anyways, so Brandy Max is off to a big lead. Right. And polls closed at six. Right. The porn star is going to win. What is this? Italy? Good line. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, two non-election day, well, not really non-election day things, but other plot lines. Chris finds Jim Barkley, goes to have sex with her. Okay. I like... I don't have a comment about it. It's just, I guess, a totally thing reasonable happens. thing to do on election day. Right. Fine. Jen Barkley <laughs> and Bruno Gianelli have the same election night results. Yes. Or routines uh, and results, as it turns out, in uh, <laughs> in, in in the second Bruno election right. in the West Wing. And then yeah. Andy uh, calls in Donna to fix things because April is concerned that not that she'll get fired, but that Leslie might give her a lecture on responsibility. Let's talk about this, all right? <laughs> okay. Andy and April were there finding out that the files were deleted while Leslie was voting first thing in the morning. Right. They've <laughs> been in the office hiding under that table for 12 hours. I think I think this is a, the things aren't happening in real time as they're presented, like Varys being everywhere in the season six finale of Game of Thrones. Well, I mean, little bits of him were everywhere in the season seven finale. Fair, fair, fair enough. Um, anyway, um, I think this is a not presented in real time plot yeah. line. I do enjoy yeah. that Andy is in for a face-off scenario, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so... I don't know if this is before if Donna comes in before or after uh, we get nine percent in from the election results, and they actually flash up you know a, a vote count on the screen where it's Newport five hundred fifty three, Nope five hundred twenty eight, Max thirty two, Rosa twelve, Trim eighteen, but they don't have the percentages on the screen, which is just kind of not how TV networks do this. Um, also the listing of candidates is kind of random. Like it looks like they're listed in order of votes, but the last candidate has more than the second to last. I don't know. It's weird, but, um, it's a more accurate way of showing the vote count on screen. Like a TV network does than what they had in the seventh season of the West wing, where they just had percentages on screen for the candidates, whenever they're showing the Santos right, Vinick right, race, right. Mm -hmm. and the and the percentages always added up to a hundred percent because apparently there were no third party <laughs> candidates anywhere in the country, and all of the close races were like fifty one forty nine. I don't know. It's like nobody making the last season of The West Wing pulled up Wikipedia and just like, what do presidential election results kind of look like? And That's just you had a bunch those. of weird policy wonks writing it, right? I know, I know, but also, I mean, yeah, the 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 margin that Nevada ends up being closely yeah. decided by uh, in the last episode of the West, last season of the West Wing, is actually a huge majority in Nevada that would never possibly, yeah, they would have yeah, called I, that hours ago. Yeah, no, that that they they, uh, they get some stuff wrong in that one. They get <laughs> a lot right. Save it for our discussion of campaigns across TV shows that we're going to do as our bonus episode in between seasons. Okay, fine, fine. But I do love Purd's Dan Ratherism here. It's razor thin and getting razor thinner. 
so then uh, Leslie, no, Ben talks they, to Ron. No, they go boxing first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But I don't care about that. I twenty two seconds. Boy, that's disappointing. It's a good line. <laughs> I just want to get to clear alcohols up for rich women on diets. That's what I want to talk about next. That, that's. It's a line you and I have said to each other many times. I like it. When he said it, I was like, wait, haven't we already gotten to this line? And then I was like, no, I think I just say it a lot. <laughs> also, Ron has a lot of amazing lines in this scene. Yes. Uh, I've never been one for meeting new people or trying new things or eating new foods or traveling outside of Southern Indiana. I have one bowl. <laughs> <laughs> they they clearly, this is clearly one of those, they, we haven't seen one of these in a while. They clearly just let Nick Offerman go for right. a while yeah. and then cut together the best yeah. ones. Because they keep bouncing between two slightly different angles in order to cover. Um, also, uh, he says that uh, Ben and Leslie have a great relationship because you and Leslie like to hold hands and jump off cliffs together. That's the West Wing. <laughs> yep. That's- that, that, I was like, yeah, that's, that's Danny and CJ. Yeah. Yes. Why don't we hold hands on the way down? Um, yeah. It's, I mean, the, Michael Shore has kind of openly talked about how he cribbed a bunch of stuff from the West Wing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, definitely that. Um, also, I, Carter pointed this out when we were watching this episode last night. This is a hell of an election party. Open bar with like top shelf alcohol, no line at the bar. You can just like casually have a conversation and a drink. Like, where is this party? It's from <laughs> all the call times she did. Right, right. Yeah, they spent, look, this wrapped bus and election night party must have been 30% of their budget, look, maybe even 40. Maybe more, yeah. Look, yeah. there's only, this could- I, I will say, I will say, the only realistic part of this, it's not realistic at all. The only realistic part, I never know what the hell to do with money that comes in with, like, four days left. So, oh, you throw it at the election party. Right. So, if Leslie got a lot of late money, then, like, here comes a bus in an open bar. <laughs> I'm just saying, the only, like, paid communications we know they did in this campaign was the one-shot TV spot and whatever it cost to print up the flyers that <laughs> Jerry was handing out on election day. Uh, and he handed out, hang on, he handed out a thousand of them. I have so many questions about the math. All right, so let's say with, 70, <laughs> with 74% in, uh, it, it was Newport, 5,976 votes. Yeah. Leslie, 6,168. So that's about 13,000 votes with yeah. 74% in. That indicates a, a, an electorate of about 17,500 people. Let's say 17,600 yeah. to round up, which means that on election day, Jerry got materials out to 6% of the electorate. That's, with a, with that's, a, in, a, in a district with 100 precincts. Or more. More than 100 precincts, maybe. That's impressive. Right. Uh, also, also, if, if there are about seventeen thousand five hundred voters uh, in the election overall, there definitely should have been more than six voters at that first precinct. I mean, it could be, it could be that you know, there's always one weird. Maybe it's a split precinct, like you right. fucking people in Virginia do. Should not have split precincts. It's absurd. No. A precinct is supposed to be the indivisible political unit. Yeah, I. Completely agree. And you know what? It caused some screw-ups. It, uh, it, it cost you guys the majority. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. Leslie tells Ben that she wants him to stay so they can, like, just be in a normal relationship and not have the craziness of the campaign. Because um, elected official life is definitely normal life. Hey. A conversation that could have waited the 30 minutes until this thing was over. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> uh, but then the race is over because Perd calls it for Bobby. And <laughs> I love that we don't even have any sense of how many precincts are left out. Also, Anne comes in very concerned. Like, Something's about to happen on TV. They don't announce that they're about to call the race and then cut to a commercial break on TV. No. 
This is not The Bachelor. Like, he is competing with Joan Calamezzo to be the first one to call this race. Right. You right? gotta do it. You just do it when you have the numbers. Um, also, Ben would know. They would have an internal yes. ca- uh, spreadsheet. Yes, yes. Um, or would be getting calls from people and would know long before. Leslie laughing is so good. Yeah, it's, it's so It good. is so good. I Like, I'm going to have more thoughts later, but like that is when this episode kicks into what makes it one of the most memorable. Yeah. Yeah. Did did y'all watch the Hulu series Battleground? Yes. No. It was uneven, but it got a lot of like the day-to-day life stuff yeah. of campaign workers really right. Um it has one of the most gut-punching endings though where like the candidate loses but they all have just gotten jobs or something and they're all cheering as the candidate yeah. walks in and it was cruel, but not as cruel as letting your girlfriend be there in the crowd right. when they call right. the election against her. She should turn to Ben and tell him to go to fucking D.C. because they're done. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty horrible. Um, but Ben does go running in to demand a recount because... Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. What? This is how recounts work? What are you talking okay. about? This almost gave me an aneurysm. This. <laughs> they haven't even canvassed the results yet. This this wouldn't be happening for fucking days. For, like, I have been involved in multiple recounts. They are the worst thing ever. Uh, but this would take days, not hours. Well, first of all, you, you couldn't request the recount for weeks right because election day is over a winner is called by the media the government doesn't care that doesn't affect anything the votes come in by mail that were sent in time to be counted but hadn't arrived by election day over Uh, the next few days in some states in some states i don't know if indiana's like that then those votes are counted then you have the provisional ballots and the damage ballots at the point locations those are counted over the next few days as well then, like, a week, ten days, two weeks after the election, there's a thing called a canvas where they present and read through all the results in a public forum that is then certified. And then if you've lost the certified canvas result, you can file for a recount if you're within a certain margin. They've compressed two weeks of everything into whatever amount of time it took for Ben and Leslie to run to City Hall from their bar. But what if the other side gives you Joe Biden's home phone number? Uh, also, do you think, what do you think the percentage of turnout in this one city council election was? 25% turnout, you think? Well, so we had a, they said something a while back about Pawnee's population, didn't they? No, we found it in a book. Yeah, it's in a book. Okay, so- Take a look. Sorry. Oh wow. <laughs> Please well, so, apparently after minute forty four of recording. All right. So it gets a little punchy. <laughs> so Pawnee is the seventh largest city in Indiana, according to a line which would put the population at about eighty one thousand people. So this doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how many people should have voted in the whole city. Yes. Uh, so now we're back to having a citywide non-ward-based election. Unless this is literally, there are just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. But, yeah, 22% of the entire population of the city voted in this election. It's a lot, man. And, that's and, great and, turnout. And sure. that's not even of registered voters. Right. Right. Um, so Ron talks to Leslie about how, you know, they all wanted to support her. I don't really know what he says, because then he says, you drive, I've had 11 whiskeys. And I was like, oh, it's Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) He's slightly more cogent than most of my 11 whiskey speeches are, though no less, though though they are no less impassioned. (laughs) That's true. true. (laughs) You've been on the receiving end of a couple. (laughs) Um, uh, I do, so we've already discussed this whole, um, 
Andy and April plotline doesn't add a lot, but I do love that Donna comes in and fixes it in one second because Jerry deletes things all the time. I, I feel like every office has this kind of dynamic where there is a person, sometimes they're like the office manager, sometimes not, who just is like, oh yeah, done, and just fixes everything. I don't know. There is that person in my office. She can fix anything. Okay, cool. Yep. Good times. No, Donna is always awesome. But apparently didn't, like, go to the election night party because she was hanging out with one of the other councilmen. Oh, right. <laughs> Maybe they were at the election night party. Maybe that's what's Maybe. happening there. Uh, that's a good way to kick off uh, your relationship <laughs> with Councilman Newport. Yeah. Is to be at his opponent's election night party. Totally. Yes. Uh, but so then Leslie gets Ben... The, a little statue of the Washington Monument and presents it to him the same way that he presented her with the nope campaign button at the end of the last season to say that he should go to D.C. because that's his thing and, you know, he supported her. Now she's going to support him. It's it's very nice. You seem calmer than I expected you to be is a it's actually line. Yeah. <laughs> Is a phenomenal line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... Then, Go ahead. Anne again comes in. Like, she's the courier of important information. <laughs> sure. And, and she does a nice sucker punch type uh, reveal here, which I appreciated. Leslie has gone from losing by 21 votes to winning by 21 votes. Which... Okay. Right. If you can watch this, and I, okay, I know we can talk about the the reality of it in a minute. But if you can watch this scene and not get a a little emotional, then like I don't know, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Like God, Jed, I don't even want to know you. <laughs> right. Because it is Amy Poehler is just like spot on and acting it, and it's it is for a comedy that is doing a terrible job of being realistic about elections. It is spot on yep i look for like i mean 42 votes is a crazy flip like what we we had a what in 2008 the al franken massive recount like we were fighting over moving what 10 votes out of a entire state of minnesota uh like 42 votes something would have had to have gone massively wrong that would have caused a months long investigation by the department of justice yeah uh 42 votes means that you found a ballot box right. that hadn't been counted <laughs> uh, um, or or someone was counting votes the wrong way in a precinct right right they were confused by the bu- butterfly ballot or or a tabulation error, like literally the wrong, yeah. um, like what happened, What which state senate district was it in 2011, where it looked like we were going to hold a state senate district, was it, but... Was it Edwards? Be, I, I, well, no, we, we ended up losing the district. Was Did we lose Edwards? Oh, no, no, uh, no, 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 we Puckett? didn't. Uh, anyways, uh, one county had entered their um, data backwards they entered the republican number on the democratic line and the democratic number on the republican line and it and everything like was down to one precinct or one county out or one precinct out and then it flipped the other way because the the literally just the numbers have been put in the wrong field so in the case something like that happened this doesn't happen so this happened in in a fairly notable in, in 2010 i was working on senator bennett's election in colorado and uh they the something happened where the Boulder County auditor entered the results backwards and reported that the Republican had gotten 80% of the vote out of Boulder County, which obviously made the numbers look like we were going to get annihilated and everyone was getting like ready to concede. And someone pointed out, Hey, this Boulder number looks fishy. (laughs) Um, because if we, if if in fact the Republican had gotten eighty percent out of Boulder, I, I I don't think that's even humanly possible. So yeah, no, you're right. Something like that must have happened here uh, for it to happen. But look, I mean, I think we'll talk more about this episode at the end than like what that scene meant. Yeah. Yep. Um. I do enjoy Bobby Newport's concession speech. Honestly, I've never been more relieved in my entire life. 
um, accurate, I feel like, for a lot of people. Hey, he, he should feel good. He, he voted for the winner. Right. He probably Phoenix. does. Uh, Actually, come to think of it, Jerry not voting is fine because Leslie was is a wash for Leslie because Bobby voted for her. Right. Which right. actually is a net gain of two. Um, Jen Barkley is out. She leaves. Which I feel like is maybe a little bit accurate for the general consultant who's come in for the last week of the campaign. I mean, I realize that's not what she did, but like I could see No, no, that. no. It was totally accurate. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so I know how everyone on this podcast feels about John Ralphio and like we have varying levels of appreciating him. This is one of my favorite John Ralphio yeah. scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I actually thought this is a perfect amount of John Ralphio. Like this, this amount of John Ralphio is like, that's what you want in a season. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can take more of him than that, but yeah, but no, there's a prosecutor who watches Parks and Rec and he oftentimes will just like walk up to me in court and be like, got off on a technicality. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhat funny. And and then we find out Ben committed malpractice. say he did write a concession speech and he just tore it up and told her that you know to be cute so irresponsible if he didn't write a concession speech look it's the bulk of the concession speech can be drawn from the victory speech right right you know you you just pull in a lot of the thank yous a lot of the, the 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 waxing poetic about the sacrifices of your volunteers and your family and you just you spin around the, uh, the the top and the bottom ends of the speech. Not writing a concession speech. This is what happened to Mitt Romney in 2012. Your candidate gets up there and just embarrasses themselves. They don't have anything written to say. Never do that. Never put them in that situation where their last moment on the campaign is an embarrassing one. Well, and and look and. You know, if you're not running for president, your concession speech doesn't have to say anything profound, right? It is not for history or for the media even. It is for your supporters. It is for the people who put everything they had on hold and did what they could to see you fulfill your dream. And, like, it's very easy you, you can leave all of policy out of it. You can leave any discussion of your future or what the election meant out of it. You just get up there and say thank you to everyone who tried to help you. Like, it's yep. easy. As an addendum to what I just said, though, there was an election where I didn't write a concession speech. <laughs> <laughs> and that was 2011 because I was afraid of jinxing it because I was the only one who thought we were going to win. <laughs> God damn it, Kirk. <laughs> I so, you turned out like, fine. Everything. <laughs> turned out fine. <laughs> okay. Um, so Leslie gives her speech, which is very, very West Wingy Pete Buttigieg. Um, map where we'll go, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's touching. You know. Um... And, Sam wrote it in the car. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, and then we see Leslie slide her picture next to all the old white men, and it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. Did she run over to City Hall and <laughs> yes. do that and then go back to the party? Because I don't think she's actually on the city council yet. <laughs> Did she take someone down to put herself up? Maybe that's something that happens well, later in time. And they just... Also, three years, two years ago, whatever it was, there was like still no color photography in Pawnee right, that late. Right, right. I, I do still think this is at a... Um... I think her election watch party is either at City Hall or across the street from it. Because somehow Ron got there having had 11 whiskeys. Uh, so, and Leslie just wanders in there in a, in a minute between elections. Like, they can't be far from this room at that's, the party. Yeah, that's probably. Uh, and then we get one of the more unfortunate lines in the entire series. When, uh... 
Anne and uh, Tom talk. Uh, just that for like such a strong episode ending like probably this the strongest season of this show except maybe the last one it's it's a weird tag to end the whole season on no like. take no take backs when you sober up <laughs> is so shockingly bad a line yeah, yeah. But, like, that is not a, hey, it's 2019, we've right. yeah, no. a lot the was, last few years. It was bad in 2012, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember at the time being like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, if if uh, Rashida Jones's character had actually been a continuation of Karen from The Office, you know, going from, uh, where was it, Stanford to Scranton, then out to Pawnee, and then ending up in this scene, this would have been a dark, dark path for her to, like, for her to have been on. It's true. Yeah. It's already kind of dark, <laughs> as it is. Uh, uh, at least then we get victory waffles. But you know what, though? If she had just been Karen from the office who had been sent out to Dunder Mifflin Pawnee, it would make more sense why she's always hanging around City Hall, because they're probably her largest client. Uh, that's true. All right, yeah. well... We have come to an end of this season. I'm kind of sad. I really like this Wait, season. You, you missed what I thought was your favorite part of the episode where Andy realizes he wants to be a cop. Did I? Did I totally forget to talk about that or make any notes about it? Damn. Cool. So we've reached the end of the episode. <laughs> and, um... You guys, end the season. Yeah, end the season. Um, and yeah, uh, I did not prepare any end of season thoughts whatsoever. So also because I don't remember when we started recording season four, but I feel like I've just dated and had an entire child who's now almost six months old in the time that we've been talking about this season. So I don't remember all of it, (laughs) to be honest. This is, uh... This is definitely my favorite season of the entire show. I think that they nail so many things that just speak to me and remind me of things in my life and obviously Jacob's life. And I just, I really love it. And, you know, we started recording the season. Actually, we our first episode for this season posted on June 7th of last year. Oh, so we wow. spent basically the last year discussing this season of Parks and Rec and... Yeah, this this to me is the is the quintessential season of this show, and I adore it. And I we joke or or point out or nitpick things they get wrong, but they get so much right about the motivations behind people in politics and why someone like Leslie would run for city council and why the people around her would support her. That it all more than evens out in the wash, and it it's just a great season of television. Like to me, to me, this is a, it's a love letter to public service. It is about, and, and, and about more than just the public servants. This episode, I think means a lot to me because it, it, it taps a little bit into, especially Ron's speech to Leslie in city hall about why the people helped her that, that no one does any of this alone. No one who gets elected does it purely on anything about them. And it speaks to why those of us who don't run for office but care, care so much and devote so much of our lives to helping people get elected because we believe in what they're trying to do. And I think in an age of cynicism that, some, you know, I am certainly not completely bereft of, but that in, in this age, in this time, it is fun to have the reminder that there are people worth um, putting that level of emotional investment in and making sacrifices to try to get them elected. Uh, And I think this episode taps into something deep and resonant and timeless about that. Uh, And it's why it's one of my favorite episodes, because the emotional journey that Leslie goes on uh, with is remarkable and powerful and speaks to why win lose or draw it's worth 
fighting for what we believe in. So I, I love this episode. Freak. Uh, okay, but now I'm a little emotional. <laughs> if you um, <laughs> want to write to us to talk about um, this season or this episode, uh, we've been hearing from a lot of you guys recently, and it's awesome. Um, thank you so much for sharing facts that we get wrong or that we get right or what Parks and Rec means to you. Um, it's been really great for us reading um, some of the, the emails that have come in, especially as we talk about this season. So you can write to us at icetownclowns at gmail.com. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash icetownclowns. You can tweet at us at icetownclownpod, or uh, just go to our website to download the episodes, www.icetownclowns.com. So, this is the last episode of the season. We'll be back in a couple weeks with one of our break episodes, and then we'll be whipping around a couple weeks after that to start up season five. We really appreciate everyone who's been with us through these first four seasons of the show and appreciate everyone who's left a review on the Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is, podcast stores. Please continue to do so because it helps people uh, find out about the series and it really helps us grow our audience. So thank you. You've been listening to Icetown Clowns, a podcast about parks and recreation that we are at the end of and that end is now. Now.